0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 188 of the MetaBealers 2
1: podcast. I will be chatting with David. And I will be chatting with Ben. And it's been a while. Two months to the day that we last recorded. Yes, we last recorded on November 15th, and we're recording today on February 15th. Or is it, that's three months, isn't it? Three, three months, months. Yeah, that's a wow. Yeah, that's
0: a That's a quarter of a year.
1: A lot has happened since our last recording session. Lots, <laughs> a lot has, lot has, lot has, lot has happened. Um, we won't go into any of nope, that. No, not at all. But sometimes life gets in the way, and Doctor Who just has to take a back seat. Indeed,
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of sad faces on my Twitter feed at the moment. People who are unable to be at Gallifrey One currently. So, yeah. Mm,
1: yeah, it would have been this weekend. We would have been having our man on the scene
0: another live report from mm-hmm. by the swimming pool at the marriott of the lax marriott <laughs>
1: <laughs> but thanks to the global pandemic coronavirus uh, gallifrey one was cancelled and was instead you got to spend valentine day with your lovely wife with my lovely wife which has got to be got to be a plus basically yeah, yeah right good if you had to choose, I think choosing the wife would be better than choosing a weekend with Doctor Who. That's true. Well, she is actually <laughs> in the other room,
0: so um, <laughs> I am going to have to agree with you there. Mm. I'm going to have to agree with you.
1: Have you been keeping up with the quiz? Quiz of Raslan, The four is You Zoom know, Wednesday?
0: unfortunately, again, um, due to circumstances beyond my control, um, uh-huh. I was not able to do the last quiz. I put yeah. the plug on that one um the uh, uh uh four to doomsday who I guess at that point were then three to doomsday uh zoomsday that's it that's yeah. it four, four to Zoomsday. Um, unfortunately they only charted ninth ah. um which i'm not i'm going i'm going to account for the hardness of the questions rather than the lack of my expertise
1: i'm guessing Toby Haydock was Quizmaster again was Toby Haydock
0: there I don't I'm afraid I I literally did not follow mm, it at all so mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm. um but I have promised them that I promise that I have promised them that I will be I will be back on the team the next time there's a quiz because mm-hmm. um it's a lot of fun I like doing that thing yeah yeah, yeah good it's good, it's good.
1: All right, an episode of Doctor Who was broadcast on New Year's Day. Did you watch? I was
0: lucky enough to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: have not yet watched. Oh so. goodness! Well, I thought I'd keep my reaction mm-hmm. raw and fresh. fresh. Um I,
0: I did watch it, um, but obviously that's now a couple of a couple of months ago. So mm-hmm. I will probably be watching it again. Though I have to say one thing, I can recommend. I can recommend to. I'm not saying whether I can recommend or not recommend the New Year's Day Doctor, but the current thing that i can recommend that my lovely wife and i have just finished watching is the new russell t davis series it's a sin
1: oh yes for
0: fans of the writing of russell t davis and also for fans of kind of easter egg style appearances of doctor who it's a sin is a must it's a, there wasn't a dry eye in the house when we watched mm. it very very um, well written mm. drama about the aids crisis in britain in the 1980s yes
1: not the most uplifting but i'm sure rtd handled it with care and compassion oh yeah and
0: very very good yep and as i said there is a uh, well keen readers of doctor who magazine will will already know this but there is an appearance of our favorite show um our favorite show has a major appearance actually um oh. in uh, i think episode 5
1: pray tell more
0: um uh, uh, well i've spoilers um <laughs> but one of the characters who is an actor gets to be an actor on doctor who in a kind of, you know, I guess this is taking place in some kind of weird, you know, alternate universe in some ways. Anyway, it's a episode, a story of Doctor Who a, story, a Doctor Who story called uh, the um oh shoot, what is it called? The uh the the something of the Daleks. Um Regression it, of I the think. Daleks? The Regression of the Daleks. Okay. So you do know that. Um yes, of course I <laughs> do. Um I so, uh, called, called the The Regression of the Daleks, which is um some Daleks break into a spaceship. There's an explosion. There's a uh, there's three humans who are trying to defend the spaceship from the marauding Daleks, mm-hmm. and our our, our character, um, uh, the makeup person, discovers something on our character's
1: face, which mm. is um, concerning, problematic mm-hmm. going forwards. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And this is a uh, send-up, I guess, or a uh, remounting of Resurrection of the Daleks, is what yeah, I took away from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's
0: actually, it actually looks a lot better than Resurrection of the Daleks, <laughs> of unsurprisingly. <laughs> um, even though I think I, I read in DWM that they used, like, authentic cameras and, I don't know, lighting and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But anyway, it looks more expensive.
1: They just couldn't do the cheapness of JNT-era Doctor Who. Yeah,
0: and I think, actually, to be honest, what, what looked cheap was less the kind of props and effects and more the more the the fact that it's a sin is you know shot on HD mm-hmm. or whatever it's shot mm-hmm. on compared to you know standard out, yep. which is shot on you know crappy 1980s um videotape, so yeah, they should have stepped it all down. <laughs> well, I guess it's, I guess the, I guess the um, the story takes place in the studio, so right. that's what you're actually seeing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, anyway, well, yeah, the comment that I read on Twitter and can't remember who to credit this for, but. Uh, RTD was doing more publicity for It's a Sin with Doctor Who than Chipnell was doing for the New Year's special. I think uh, Graham Burke, the author of the Sidney Newman biography, made this observation that it's kind of sad that RTD is doing more publicity for his Doctor Who, which isn't even a complete story, than Chipnell no. was doing for uh, Revolution of the Daleks."
0: Yeah, which is odd, really, actually, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't think... Chibnall is as much of a showman as mm. Davis Mm-mm. is was, Mm-mm. but still, and you know, he's I think did less publicity for 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 the Revolution of the Daleks than than even someone like Moffat did for his. You yeah, know, for his yeah. his his episodes mm-hmm. and Moffat is, I think, a famous famously kind of introverted personality. So yeah. unlike R two D R T D, who is you know very very outgoing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going on there. Chibnall, come on, mm-hmm. come out of your writing shed and talk about our favourite show a bit more, if yeah. you feel you want to.
1: So we kind of ended on a cliffhanger way back in November last year. Yeah, back yeah. in November when we recorded, It went out. I'd kind of drug it out because I knew that we were getting busy with other things but in i I think it went on the feed sometime early december but we were going to talk about shada we were going to talk about shada are you ready to talk about shada i am ready (laughs) to talk about shada and i think in particular
0: we're talking about the most recent iteration of everyone's favorite unfinished doctor who story
1: right the 2017 animation of shada which charles norton did i believe he was the director behind that and he had done uh led the uh, reconstructions or animations of Dad's Army and Power of the Daleks. So this was his follow-on Doctor Who project. Right.
0: Shadow was released on VHS in the JNT era. 92, yep. And then it was made as a Big Finish production with uh, Paul McGann. Yep. And then it was also produced, uh, I don't know, a mixture of those two, right? I mean, they, they put both the JNT one and the Paul McGann one on a DVD mm-hmm. like 10 years ago or so, right?
1: And also Ian Levine commissioned his own animation. Oh yeah, Ian Levine, of yeah, course, yes. complete episodic six-part animation, had Lala Ward reprise her role. Uh, they, I think uh, John Calshaw played the doctor in right, that for voice right. voiceover, but that exists too. I have that kicking around on the hard drive somewhere.
0: Yeah, and then of course um, it's also been turned into a book. Yep, Uh, Gareth Gareth Roberts. Old
1: Man Roberts, Mm -hmm. exactly, yes. And uh, Lala Ward did the audiobook version of that, and that's the version I listened to when that came out a a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of Shada. Many, many ways (laughs) to experience Shada
0: but i think we're choosing to talk about the 2017 animated restoration
1: mm-hmm. which i guess yes. the bbc is considering the complete version of shada or oh, it's completed as of, fast
0: yeah i think there this is it for shada we're not they're not going to be any more right <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, of really? course they I mean, there will be the they'll be the Blu-ray copy on the on right. the the season whatever it is Blu-ray, right?
1: Well, we're coming up to what the fiftieth anniversary of Shadow would be in twenty twenty nine. Don't you think they'll do a remount of it then for the fiftieth anniversary of Shadow?
0: Should. Cause, well i mean just <laughs> just because they can doesn't mean they should in my in my opinion um well okay let's um, um, let's crack on d- let's let's uh, let's crack on um i don't like Sharda very much
1: yeah you you have been very vocal about that
0: yeah yeah certainly well on this podcast i have i've been vocal anywhere else because no one else cares but um...
1: <laughs> on the forums <laughs> <laughs> um it's I,
0: it's you know it's very very douglas adams to mm-hmm. me and that's you know not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. but he was script editing and writing doing hitchhikers and i think he that's always a a mistake really in my opinion we're well, not yeah. always a mistake i mean by and large that tends to be a mistake mm-hmm. and it's it's to me it is way too much like a kind of second division hitchhikers mm-hmm. script than it is doctor who which for me is kind of punchy and you know exciting and important and doesn't have minutes and minutes and minutes of people randomly cycling around cambridge <laughs>
1: I think my view on Shada is I think we've got the good parts filmed. I'm not sure that this story holds up over six episodes. I think it would have been a, a much tighter four part story as a season finale I think it it's interesting a return to uh, Gallifreyan history, uh, right. not not set on Gallifrey. I really like Professor Chronodus as a character. I think the scenes between where Dennis Carey's portraying Cronotis and. Claire, Victoria Burgoyne's character in Cronotus' Chambers at Cambridge, which is his TARDIS, and when he does the hypnotism as uh, Sally Avon, those I think are great. So I think the bits that we get with that they reused in The Fifth Doctor with the punting on the cam, uh, even the bike scenes I think are, are good. Where I think it really lets down is kind of the later parts that they didn't get to film. I'm not right, sure were the right. strongest parts. As with many Doctor yeah. Who episodes, it starts out really good. Episode 1 is really uh, – that's where they packed a lot of the live action, the location right, filming. Right. And then as they would go on, go on sets into Shada and stuff, I think it the cheapness would have to show because the monsters that they would even had had in the Shada prison didn't make a lot of sense. Like they were going to have a Weirin locked up for for example according right, to the original right. now they didn't do that in the animation of course but i think in retrospect and watching this again uh, <laughs> uh i think we get the best parts that were actually filmed and it's nice to see it all kind of tied up in a bow but is it as good as being missing would have you lend to believe the last lost Tom Baker. Mm.
0: Though I mean let's I mean let's I I will try and be fair to it. Um, I mean there are very few seventies six part finales that are any good.
1: Well, the last one was Talons of Wang Chang, and that they blew the budget for that, and it suffers Invasion of Time, Armageddon Factor, and now Shada.
0: Yeah, they all they all. I mean, I think the other the other seventy six parter that you know again I think is a standout is Seeds of Doom, but of course, as everyone knows, that's a two parter and a four parter.
1: And. Earlier in a decade, to and under a different producer. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So I think there's maybe an assumption from the production team here that you know, okay, we we always end with a six-parter, and that's always a good way to end, mm-hmm. um, and a, and possibly slightly more kind of okay, is do we have enough story here for six parts? you know, maybe we should try and do a two-parter and a four-parter. You know, maybe we could have had, I don't know, Skagra doing something else some at some other place. I don't know. Um, well, they kind of have a yeah.
1: four-parter and a two-parter. You have two parts set in Cambridge, yeah. effectively, and then you go right. off, the Doctor teaches Skagra's ship how to dematerialize and be a time ship and all that other bit. So it is kind of divided like that. It's just that that part on Shada, the parts that isn't filmed, the stuff that would have been studio-bound, I think isn't as strong as uh, Douglas Adams. I mean, he's a native of Cambridge. That's where he grew up. That's his hometown. He read right. probably literature at Cambridge. He went to Cambridge, yep, yep. Yeah, and so he, there's a lot of affection of his hometown, his university written in there that... Gives it more body and soul than the almost throwaway bits set on shadow with the prison and just just kind of space. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And even even Krags, you know, that's just kind of that's a space name. You know, that's not. (laughs) I mean, he hasn't sat down and really thought about what they should be called. He's just like just given them a name, you know, a name from the nineteen sixties Doctor Who comic strip. It's that kind of name. Yeah, It's, it's it's just a silly. It's the silly name you'd call an alien monster if you
1: were 6 years old. Mm-hmm. The name works good, Krogs with Skagra. I mean that's the same, it's the same kind of uh... And Skagra also works yeah. very well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, let's, let's let's quick let's, uh, let's rewind quickly to 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 your point about Cambridge. I yeah. mean obviously, you know, we've joked before about my dislike of Cambridge and, you know, cuz well, I went to the Oxford. other place, yeah. which yeah. which is fine. But it is actually kind of interesting. Um when I watched it and I haven't watched, I mean, I haven't actually really watched uh, Shada for a very, very long time. In fact, probably the last time I really kind of enjoyed experiencing it was the Big Finish one mm. um, in, you know, 2002, whenever that was. Sorry, 2003. Right. But watching it, I was like, okay, this is interesting because if you compare... And you know, Cambridge is it's it's a it's a pretty rarefied institution. Um actually more so than Oxford in many ways, which mm-hmm. is why you very often find this kind of show set in Cambridge and more like kind of Inspector Morse and stuff like that set in Oxford. Mm-hmm. Um because Cambridge is there's not really anything around Cambridge, it's basically it's just the university and then a town around the university. Mm-hmm. Whereas Oxford has, you know, some used what well, used to have some heavy industry and blah blah blah. Anyway. That's by the by. But I was comparing it in my mind to um, The Deadly Assassin. And when we've talked about that before, Mm -hmm. I think the received fan wisdom is, you know, this is uh, Robert Holmes kind of satirizing, you know, the kind of Oxbridge the corrupt kind of Donish oxbridge society to me actually you know again as we've said before deadly assassin is maybe more about the bbc yeah, yeah. which is but, but it's also the bbc is only you know the higher levels of the bbc are, at that time certainly were only people who went to either oxford or cambridge mm-hmm. and the kind of obvious dislike and um, hatred is probably too strong but you know strong dislike that robert holmes had for those kinds of people mm-hmm. is completely not present um in <laughs> in in, in blindingly obvious that uh, Douglas Adams loves Cambridge yes he loved going to Cambridge Mm -hmm. Um, he loves everything about it Mm -hmm. and this is actually more of a hymn to what a fabulous university Cambridge is I mean it's 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 it's, actually the other thing it was reminding me of and and, uh, this is only kind of while I was thinking about doing this record because over Christmas, um, Amanda and my wife, my lovely wife Amanda and I watched his Dark Materials. Yeah. Um, the, that Paulman, HBO yeah. fantasy show, which yeah. is, you know, which is all basically produced by kind of RTD-era Doctor Who folks. And that, you know, again, is a hymn to how fabulous Oxford is. Hmm. There's very little that's critical about Oxford. Mm-hmm. And I think Sharda is the same. You know, it's, it's it's you know, you get the friendly, you know, um, uh, gate, uh, you know, gate, I can't word- don't know what, what they call them at Cambridge, but you know the guy who stands at the gate and kind of lets you in, you mm. know, with the bowler hat and oh, the, you know, the one,
1: the one Wilkins character.
0: Wilkins, that's it. I mean, the dons are all from space, <laughs> um, or they're you kind know, of hidden time. You know, it's 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 mm-hmm. very. You know, everyone's on a bicycle. People go punting. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was kind of interesting to me, that kind of almost sort of radical critique, not radical critique, that's the wrong word, but that kind of strong criticism of privilege in Britain, mm-hmm. which comes from Deadly Assassin, is not present at all here. It's, there's no critique of privilege whatsoever.
1: So with the people that would go to Cambridge versus people who go to Oxford, is there, is there a different? Families, different. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, by and uh, large, science. I mean, it wouldn't be classes. It's, is science is more for Cambridge.
0: Yeah, yeah. science is more for Cambridge. Certainly, mm-hmm. as um, Oxford is more kind of non-science things, uh-huh. law, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Also, I mean, Cambridge is where all the spies came from. So Anthony Blunt and you know all those people, mm-hmm. they all went to Cambridge. So communists as well.
1: <laughs> Communist and scientists they go Scientific hand communists. in hand. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so certain, exactly. certain. British upper-class families wouldn't be loyal to one university or other or
0: no I mean I mean to be honest um In general, upper-class families are too stupid to send their children (laughs) to Oxford and Cambridge. And one of the few good things about Oxford and Cambridge is it is actually quite hard to get into it if you're not intelligent. Hmm. And by and large, people from aristocratic British families are not very intelligent. And they usually end up at some kind of agricultural college because their job in the end is looking after their vast estates. estates, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, but it's actually, there's a, if people are interested, if people listen to this podcast are interested in Cambridge, there is a great comedy from, again, from the 1980s, as far as I remember, called Porterhouse Blue, which is a adaptation of a Tom Sharp novel, and it's set in Cambridge. And it is a great, you know, if you're looking for something mm-hmm. that's kind of satirical about Cambridge, um you should read. You should either well, the novel's good, but actually the um the TV adaptation is absolutely amazing and has various people who actually well, John Sessions is in it, I guess. You know, there's there's people who are kind of slightly kind of Doctor Who oriented, but that that's a it's mm-hmm. a it's really super funny and is a lot more kind of you know it's it's actually it's more. It said it's, it's it's more critical of that kind of stupid privilege that people have at mm-hmm. those kind of universities,
1: more so than the red brick universities, etc.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, of course, as we know, if you want if you want an awesome drama about red brick universities, which really does have a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of Doctor Who stuff in it, then there is a very peculiar practice.
1: Yeah, I'm not familiar with that.
0: Which the lead character is played by Peter Davison, and it has David Troughton in it, <laughs> and Graham Crowden is in it. So. Anyone who wants to kind of watch around Doctor Who, I can really recommend Mm -hmm. A Very Peculiar Practice. In fact, you could do a lot worse than have a double bill of A Very Peculiar Practice and Porterhouse Blue if you want to have satire about the British university system.
1: Yeah, very good. Take those under advisement. Absolutely. There you go.
0: Um, back to Shada though Um, I
1: do have a question um, regarding Shada and particular maybe this is a cultural thing I did not understand Douglas Adams' joke that he had Cronoda saying with tea, he'd ask if you want one lump or two and then ask for sugar. Now I, I know the assumption would be those would be cubes of sugar, but yeah, what sugar what would be the lumps that he was referring to? Is anything or is he just being scatterbrained? I think he's just being silly actually. I don't think there's anything to do
0: with lumps. Okay. I mean, you know, you <laughs> traditionally you ask people at one lump or two, he's like, Do you want one lump, sugar lump or two sugar lumps? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really refer to anything else, as far as I know. Okay, um, but they do
1: it a lot. So I thought, well, maybe that's no. actually referring to some kind of tea practice that I, as an American with no tea culture, would not get.
0: No, it's not some kind of tea practice I um I recognize. Um, though actually talking about Professor Cronotis, I mean Dennis Carey does a really good job yes. being a being a don. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bore this podcast with tales of the Oxford dons that I had to had to deal with when I was at um, the counterpoint to Cambridge, Oxford but that's sort of what they're all like and those are the sort of rooms that they're all in mm-hmm. um especially if you're reading english or i mean i i read history right. um but that's a pretty kind of on the nose i mean again it's it's not critical in any way obviously it's more kind of celebratory mm-hmm. but that is what their rooms look like that is what they behave like and um Dennis Carey kind of nails it basically with Douglas Adams help as the as a script writer
1: now are those actually their rooms do do they live there actually live there okay do yeah are they usually married
0: or well I mean for very uh, very many many years I mean going back to the 19th century or so um they weren't allowed to marry um the two (laughs) clergy (laughs) uh yeah yeah I mean because it all came out of you know the monastic system Mm, mm. um monastic schools but um the the particular the two particular professors that I see in Dennis Carey's Professor Cronotis, both of them lived in the college um, both mm-hmm. of them had rooms like that and they always have when you go to their rooms they always have like a room off which is where they live and you're kind of mm-hmm. not allowed to go in there and then they have mm-hmm. like a big room with all their books and stuff and that's where you kind of you interact with them right and um, certainly you know they'll go they'll if you see them in the afternoon they'll they'll offer you a cup of tea mm-hmm. If you see them in the morning or in, later in the afternoon they'll offer you some sherry.
1: <laughs> more sherry in the morning tea in the afternoon and Absolutely, sherry at yes. night <laughs> yes i was surprised i had to take a glass
0: of sherry in the morning with one of my one of my professors the other sorry, i, I now actually am boring you with stories of no professors. these are fine the <laughs> other the other professor that, that he's uh, sadly i mean both of these people are, are dead now obviously yeah the other professor i had who you know again dennis Carey's performance kind of reminded me of was very shy and used to basically sort of hide behind the couch because mm-hmm. you had these tutorials and they're basically one, one-to-one. Um, so you basically you write an essay on a particular subject um, over a week and then at the end of that week, you then go and read it out to the professor and then the professor then delivers their critique of the essay you've just read out. Huh. So he was incredibly shy and basically would either hide behind the sofa, um, the couch, <laughs> or he had smoked a pipe periodically uh he would smoke a pipe and basically hide behind giant clouds of smoke huh. he also hated music um famously <laughs> and would always run in fear if any kind of music started playing huh. very odd yeah they're odd people i mean i think nowadays you know we have a greater knowledge of kind of neurodiversity um mm-hmm. but back in those days it's like what the hell are these? <laughs> who the hell are these people anyway right yeah. interesting oh, odd b- bunch odd bunch yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. nice people i mean good people but very very strange
1: so now uh they'd be more like offices where uh, i'm assuming don's f- faculty would be married
0: and well no and... i mean I, I i don't know i mean obviously it's it's been mm-hmm. you know 40 years um mm-hmm. uh, 30 plus years since i was last at oxford mm-hmm. i doubt it's changed a huge amount to be honest i mean i suppose probably more of them are married mm-hmm. um uh, I mean, they were very anti-women in general. I mean, yeah. certainly, certainly one of the the earlier one, Harry Pitt, was 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 very kind of he didn't really see why women should be at the college. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, fair, um, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And he he never married. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I I doubt it's changed a huge amount to be honest. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of people. I think it's probably more performative than it used to be. Again, these two dons that that I remember weren't pretending to do this, that this is actually what they were like. Mm-hmm. I suspect that more people want to be like this kind of nowadays. I'm certainly mm-hmm. thinking about Harry Pitt's rooms, um, which were pretty much exactly like the rooms with the the Professor chronotis's rooms, only they had windows so you could look out onto the onto the gardens. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be an odd room to live in if you weren't if you weren't him, who was he was he was unusual because he was unmarried mm-hmm. and he was neither a doctor nor a professor um he never took a degree yet he was a really important thinker around various aspects especially 19th century 18th 18th and 19th 19th century history he never he he wrote only wrote one book Mm-hmm. which was a very, very slimline biography of Abraham Lincoln. And huh. um, that's all he ever wrote. I think nowadays at universities, I think even Oxford and Cambridge, you have to publish. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but back when I was at Oxford, you know this guy, Harry Pitt, he wasn't a doctor, he wasn't a professor and never published.
1: It, I think academia has become more competitive. Uh, yeah, as... I think it has. As as much as everything, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways, and I think, again, you know, I, I'm being critical of Douglas Adams for kind of celebrating, you know, the eccentricity of Cambridge, but I'm now doing exactly the same thing about the eccentricity of, of Oxford. Mm-hmm. And if part of what Adams was, was saying was like, it's a shame, maybe if this stuff starts to die out, then I probably agree with him. And actually, again, rewinding back to one of my recommendations, that is basically the plot of Porterhouse Blue, which is... Uh, this comedy that's set in Cambridge. There's a you know a new dean comes to the college and starts modernising everything, and the the satire is well you know all the all the kind of crazy old dons they kind of gang up against him, hmm. and it's 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 uh, yeah it's, it's 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 hilarious. But I mean, it's also you know it's saying isn't it a shame that you know academia is changing mm-hmm. and all these kind of crazy eccentric people are kind of are being pushed out because you know everyone has to publish and you know blah blah blah.
1: I'm going to pull a quote here from Doctor Who Magazine, kind of talking about the genesis of the story. Um, this is from Doctor Who Magazine, uh, D- July 1998, uh, DWM 267. And this is Andrew Pixley writing, and I'm just going to read off it. When Williams made it clear that he did not want another story set in Gallifrey, Adams hurriedly chose his hometown of Cambridge as the setting he had read english at the university and recalled a notion from his student days that an eccentric professor could probably live quite discreetly in the same rooms for 300 years so i think that does fit in with what you're saying that this is something that adams uh really really likes this is this is kind of a love letter like uh rtd's love letter of love and monsters to fandom right, this fandom. is this is adams love letter to cambridge and it comes in a tumultuous 1979 year for him he had he's riding high off the crest of hitchhiker's radio and he's just finished writing his hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy novel and he's just swamped with work and he's and scripts are hard to find and he goes for what he knows he knows cambridge he loves cambridge and he writes the story about a time traveling Don who's lived in his uh, rooms for more than 300 years.
0: Yeah. Which again, I mean, having just described these two Dons that I remember, yeah, that that would, wouldn't surprise me if they were 300 years old, <laughs> uh, really wouldn't have surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember who the oh, my mind is not working today. He wrote, he's so oh, I'm going to give you more boring anecdotes. Um, the other one, the one who used to hide behind the sofa, oh, damn, I can't remember his name now. Um, but he was amazing. I mean, he would, he would, basically, there was nothing he didn't know to do with English history. I mean, and nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I don't say that lightly. We I mean, basically, you could deliver any. Anything, And he would be able to critique it and then bring in sources from other bits of British history and medieval history from the continent. And like he wrote a book on 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 18th century herring fishery in Norwich. <laughs> he was just an just this crazily, uh, uh, you know, intelligent is probably the wrong word, but specialist. Uh, uh, he not even specialist because I mean he his specialism was in everything hmm. so you know he knew just as much about 18th century herring fishing in Ipswich as he did about the Anglo-Saxon heptarchy of 637 you know I mean it's he, he knew it all he right it all. so again it wouldn't have surprised me if I discovered he was actually 300 years old <laughs>
1: Yeah, flipped through it. First hand knowledge. First hand knowledge.
0: <laughs> you can't beat first hand knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep, mm-hmm.
1: yep. 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 Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um what do you think of the other actors? Uh well Christopher Neem. Uh, Christopher Neems of uh Coldwell's Fame and uh Secret Army. And
0: and Dracula A D. nineteen seventy
1: two. <laughs> I didn't see that one. I know. I know him from Secret Army. Oh, that's Holder. true. That's true. But,
0: uh, he's he's awesome uh, in Dracula 1972, though. Is that a hammer? That uh, it must be. It's a hammer. hammer. Yeah, yeah. It's a hammer. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Um, he's okay as a baddie. I I mean, this is the most disco I think Doctor Who has gotten with his uh, kind of his his outfit. Pimp is... outfit is a little over the top. Yeah. Who who designed the costumes? Do we do we know that? I can check here. Let me look.
0: Um. Uh, I'm t- so I just remember the guy's name, James Campbell. James Campbell, Professor James Campbell, is the man who I wouldn't have been surprised was if he if he'd been three hundred years old.
1: <laughs> there you go, name checked.
0: Name check. Anyway, carry on. Who who did who designed that? Because that costume's too much, really. I mean, Neem does does a good job being a baddie, um, but I would have preferred him to be more master like in some ways. You know, where to have you know, I don't know, to have a, some kind of sp- yeah. time lord changing suit yeah. that he had a suit and tie oh maybe, you know, suit and tie or something when he was at cambridge and a space costume when he's when he's in space
1: the costume is rupert jarvis Okay. and he has previous credits with underworld stones of blood and nightmare of eden this was his uh, fourth and final doctor who so none of the costumes really were that over the top in his prior three stories Though of course, you do get the massive flares
0: on the mandrels.
1: Hmm. But that is, that is that
0: costume, or is that monster? Does that special effects? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I've been, I don't know never either. been clear on that demarcation. No, I don't think anyone was that clear, were they? He it? was also a costumer designer on Blake Seven too, and he has. Well, that makes more, sense. There's a lot. There's lots of, kind of
0: cloaks and things
1: on Blake Seven. In uh, Stones of Blood, where they had the silvery makeup on Cesare of Diplos, It's sort of the same time. I yeah. Think. Of uh, as a bad guy as Skagra, uh he's okay. He doesn't convince me as this criminal genius who founded this think tank and got all the galaxies or universe's greatest thinkers and he doesn't come across as super smart to me. He's just more scheming megalomaniac type villain.
0: Yeah. And that struck me as being kind of a boring crime, as well. To be honest,
1: you no, know, it's uh, to make the universe one mind. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of a yawner. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it's 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 a very hitchhiker's crime. Yeah, well, yeah. look who's writing it. Well, exactly, that's what I mean. You know,
1: yeah, of yeah. course, of course. Uh, how about some of the other cast? Daniel Hill.
0: He seems he seems too old to me, um, and I know the graduate student mm-hmm. could be older. Mm-hmm. Again, in my experience, without kind of you know pulling my oxbridge experience like they weren't that much older mm-hmm. like we were all 18 and then the graduate students were like 25 mm-hmm. or 23 you know so it's not it's it's he he seems too old and he doesn't seem to be um kind of i mean it's weird you know obviously i think in some ways this is maybe again to do with kind of douglas adams douglas adams it doesn't really bother to write uh, obviously, Douglas Adams didn't really spend many time, much time with, or didn't really care for graduate students, so he's not really written very realistically because he do- doesn't really care that much about
1: about those kind of people. Yeah, it wasn't his university experience. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, for yeah. me, the casting was a bit odd. My first encounter with Daniel Hill was as a sitcom actor, a Britcom actor. Right, right. And we've discussed previously how. When you get this impression that this is a comedic actor and now he's trying to do this very serious, well, I mean, Douglas Adams' serious Doctor Who role, it, he right, seems right. kind of place, And to me, he seems like, well, this is, this is the guy from No Place Like Home or this is the uh, guy from Waiting from God in this role. Right, right. Aside from chronotus uh, and uh, Chris Parsons, the only other real character in this, uh, in addition to Skygra was uh, Claire Keatley. Victoria Burgoyne and I think she's woefully underused. Maybe her parts weren't filmed as much. Right. I mean, she has really good, I think on-screen chemistry between her and Dennis Carey as Cronos. I don't see any spark between her and Parsons are Daniel Hill's no. character. And I guess she's supposed to have a crush on him, maybe, something. or something. No, I No one really knows. Like unrequited love that Parsons just doesn't pick up on. Right, right. Or something. And that chemistry isn't there. But I like Victoria Burgona as an actor. I thought she did really well in it. And beyond that, everyone else is kind of a bit character. Right. Uh, uh, There's not much there. And... The cast is strong, and the cast all seem like they're having a great time, and I think it's the cast who liked the story far, <laughs> far more than, than Adams himself is on the record saying that he liked the story. Right, right. So right. you have a strong cast stretching this rather thin story over six episodes, right. and... There's just not enough that Adams and right. Williams put on the page for the actors to really stretch it out. It's trying to be epic with like a cast of six or a cast of seven right. so it's uh it's 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 not there's not enough story there, and the interesting bits like I said earlier and now I'm repeating myself the interesting bits I right. think we saw filmed yep.
0: Though I'll have to say, I think the model stuff in this 2017 version is great.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, obviously read around this a bit. You know, they they got the original Tuckers and Etc.s in mm-hmm. um, to, to film all this stuff. And it looks amazing and really super authentic. And I've got my um, reservations about Doctor Who animation. I mean, if we... One thing that maybe we should be thinking about covering is the Fury from the Deep animation in a future podcast. Oh yeah, but um, I would love to see more of this model work in in future mm-hmm. reconstructions. I suspect that you know the money for this, as usual, comes from uh, BBC America because this is this is Tom Baker. And I think there was right. probably more money available for this shard of reconstruction to actually spend the money on doing these model on doing these model reconstructions. Mm-hmm. There may not be similar money available um, for other. I mean, I, guess, I think Space Pirates would be my um, mm-hmm. desire is that they redo all the model work for that, but I doubt that they will.
1: Well, the Space Pirates model work I think really lends itself to CGI too. That's true. The,
0: it's, it's very hard edge. Yep. True. Yeah.
1: With Rob yeah. Ritchie's artistry, I think he can do Space Pirates justice. True. for where i think this worked really well is because it the 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 surviving footage is 1979 footage and if you use the same type of model work that would have been done and same type of recording thing it slots in it it, it seamlessly fits in with whatever uh existing extant historical footage you have and so that extends the look and feel of the production right. and it makes makes it seem like you have more actually recorded than actually than you did
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah, but i I really I really enjoyed watching that,
1: yeah, the model work is top notch and it was done, I think, on film rather than videotape, and so it, was, yeah. it looks fantastic, yeah, yeah also the ending with Tom Baker doing the lines as the Doctor as a console, he seemed like such a nice old man it 's a really nice touch, and it really ties up, I think wonderfully how how Charles Norton and his team made lemonade out of lemons you know you have these disparate sources of material some strong some some weak and it's a nice ending with uh, with Tom Baker back in season 17 costume at the console right. not quite as over the top as he was in season 17 more of a subdued mature Tom Baker obviously uh giving the final lines and just smiling is that really the doctor he seemed like such a nice old man it just gives it 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 gives it a different feel than it would have had if they had recorded this back in 1979 right 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 that's what makes i think this version stand yeah, out yeah, from all yeah, the yeah, other yeah. versions
0: no it's, i mean that's a i mean that the yes no the ending was yeah you know kind of special in that way i thought yeah which you know, which kind of i mean as much as one might would like to you know, criticize Shard. It, this probably makes this worth owning. To be honest, oh yeah, having having well, obviously, yeah, we're Doctor Who fans, of course. <laughs> All of it's worth owning. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, I have I have uh, two other versions of it. So yeah. you know, well, three other versions if you count the count the count the VHS.
1: Did you save the VHS with the script book?
0: Yeah, I think I've got that somewhere. I'm not sure it's here in America. I think it's I think it's back in the back in the UK. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, with the script book and the yeah the special box that it came in
1: yep 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 yeah yeah they didn't do the script book in the u.s that's always been the dis. the u.s releases are always on the cheap side because they never have any of the written collateral or any of the printed material interesting and that's always it's always the disappointment you would think that whoever the bbc would get a distribution agreement with in the united states knowing that these are Doctor Who fans. These are completists that we would like to have everything that our fellow fans in the UK get, but it's never been the case. And then it continues that um, poor tradition continues on with the Blu-ray releases where we don't get the written collateral that comes along with the Blu-rays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is a shame, actually. There's the, the US Blu-rays are just kind of dowdy looking regular Blu-rays. I mean, I guess they occupy less space on the shelf, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, you think? I mean, yeah, yes, I, you're right. You, you know, there's given the difference of size of country, then you know, there's, there are enough fans here in in the US who would you know buy a nicer version, but yeah, maybe, not. maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Who knows? If one of our if one of our listeners works for uh, the company that releases the American uh, Blu-rays, please,
1: <laughs> cool, <Close> in.
0: <laughs> write in and tell us.
1: <laughs> so, with the animation itself, what did you think of that?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm... Brrr, we can maybe talk about this when we talk about Fury from the Deep. I would bl- blow hot and cold on, on, on animation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps having stuff left that you can use to inform what the animation looks like. Mm-hmm. And not just tele but actual, actual video. We've got our usual suspects here. Um, he's, everyone knows I'm a big big fan of Martin Garretti mm-hmm. and Adrian Salmon. Um, and Mike Collins, who I met at Gallifrey One last year, and is super nice man, and also Daryl Joyce, I'm a big fan of as well. So yeah. all of them are awesome um, as 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 artists and comic book people, and um, I think it, I think it's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult. I mean, this is you know you can't really get the angles right. on animation, right. and uh, you know you can't get from below, you can't get from above. The kind of tricks, tricks is the wrong word, but you know the kind of techniques that are live action director would use even with 1970s doctor who to make a shot more interesting you can't really do that on this animation budget and it shows from time to time you know when people when they're standing in the lab um you know the what's his name and thingy um uh, claire and, and 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 chris they're just standing there it's not very interesting
1: no no it isn't and the lab i think was unfortunately the thing that the 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 scenes that they were locked out in that afternoon they went away for lunch and the unions go on strike and that that is where that's would have been the scenes that they would have staged that afternoon and those were the ones that were lost
0: i have relatively recently because i got it for christmas watched the fury from the deep animation there's a great bit in that animation where they go sort of full-on scooby-doo Um, And you say, yes, finally, they're actually going to do something that is to do with animation rather than just literally kind of following the story. And I could have done with a little more of that in Shada. Just go, this is animation. Let's do some animation things.
1: Hmm. Yeah. But with Shada, I'm not sure how much that really would have lent itself to do more dramatic animation because you still wanted to fit in with the surviving footage, the stuff directed by Pennant Roberts. Right. Yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and you know looking back at this uh this failed six-parter to conclude the williams and adams era it's it's kind of a it's kind of for for an era that had a lot of creativity this t- it's it just kind of fizzles at the end
0: yeah yes yeah, it's, no it's 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 sad actually because you know the more i think and actually actually the more I think, about the Williams era, and that thought is a lot prompted by doing this podcast, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the more, as much as I disliked it at the time, the more I like it now. And, I, you know, I think it is a shame that those, you know, those six parters didn't work out well for him. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, really.
1: Well, I think he was put in... Uh, he had... The ideas that he was trying to carry out are much grander than the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, both in... Creativity and going off of what the BBC would normally do. Talents of Wang Chiang looks great in part because it's a historical. And if BBC does one thing good, BBC drama does historicals really Victorian well. In London,
0: right. they're going to do a good job. Right. Yep. And
1: even with Seeds of Doom, it's a lot of location footage. It's contemporary. It's not it's not super sci-fi with invisible spaceships or even even yep. spaceships or something it's much more grounded in what bbc can do and you didn't have the rampant inflation that you had at the you know by the late yep. 70s that williams had to do so shadow was deliberately conceived as a six-point story where they had to keep the cast down for budgetary concerns, and they couldn't find a writer, so your script editor has to get special dispensation for it, and Adams didn't even really want to be writing this. He was he was burnt out having just script edited the whole season. He had also cranked out the Hitchhiker's novel, and Adams didn't think he did very good work <laughs> in the story.
0: And he's right. I mean, he's absolutely right. And I, I really, I, I think, I think, I think this really, I think the BBC are right here. This is it for Sharda. Mm-hmm. and we sort of just need to leave it alone mm-hmm. now. Um, we have a definitive-ish version. Mm-hmm. Let's just, let's just agree that that's the version of Shada that we've all got yeah. now, and let's all go away and think about something else. There's, there's lots of great Doctor Who out there. Sharda is definitely a second division, yeah, if not third division.
1: And one one last little bit now, I'll, I'll kind of let yep. Douglas Adams kind of summarize this for us. And this was a, a, a published in 2002 interview with Chris Martin in Doctor Who Magazine 313, mm-hmm. but it was uh, recorded um, back in early 90s, I think in 92. And so uh, the interviewer, Chris Martin, brings up Shada with uh, Adams. I'll tell you the history of that program. I was down to write the six-parter at the end of that season. I had in mind a story that I wanted to do, and the producer said, No, that's over the top. I don't want to do that story. Come up with something else. I so much liked my story that I kept on and on and on about it, thinking that eventually he'd run out of time and have to accept the story because it'd be ready to go. Well, he still wouldn't accept it. Finally... About three days before his director was due to join, I had to sit down and write something else. So I wrote Shada, which was a sort of last minute panic thing to do. Didn't particularly like it. I thought it was rather thin, at most a mediocre four parter stretched out over six parts. So then, when it was canceled halfway through production, I thought, phew, because it wasn't very good, and now at least I'm spared anybody seeing it. <laughs> Well there you go. So even the creator isn't happy with it. Yeah. I like bits of it and Adams too like bits of it because he recycles bits of it in uh, Dirk Gently. Dirk gently, yeah, Give exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean it there's good parts in it. Uh the animation, it works really well. I think it's nice that maybe finally Shada can be put to rest. Yes, yes.
0: I think that's 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 my conclusion. It is time now to put Shada out of out of our misery.
1: <laughs> and,
0: and and it is done Shader is yeah, done
1: it's, it's complete it is it's complete. complete all all the surviving leads were in it uh we finished Shada now it's over finish Shada. <laughs> um but yeah i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more so uh thank you for listening i i'm i'm free i'm, I'm trying to remember how we do this oh uh, yeah we do
0: i've <laughs> i've been something something with, with oh oh yeah that's right that's okay that's yes
1: it. Thank you for listening to episode 180 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been having an animated conversation with Ben. And
0: I have been admiring Christopher Neem's stupid hat with David.
1: Until next time. Farewell. Good. I could have gone
2: with Lionel, I think I tried to raise a pound just to see the university and find the scenes she hung around. Is your mind a menagerie? I mean, it's hard to say A pterodactyl built its nest on me I'm feeling strange but quite okay On this baliga-doodle day
1: I was going to mention that uh, the Chattanooga Choo Choo Mm -hmm. with the singers. In 79, I got my first model train, and it was a Chattanooga Choo Choo. (laughs) So I guess for something in 1979, Chattanooga Choo Choo was all the rage.
2: Pennsylvania station about a quarter to four But I'm free and I'm still there A the little the dinner in the
1: diner, nothing could be finer
2: the And to have your ham and eggs in Carolina